So, Greg. Yes. I've got a great idea for a new James Bond movie. Hit me. All right. So it starts out with a parachute fight. People falling down out of a parachute, and then one of them lands in Cirque du Soleil. Then we, like, hot jump to California, and there's some quail hunting, and then a woman gets eaten by a dog. And then we're off to Venice, where there's a boat chase with a gondola, and then a fight in a glass museum. And then we're off to Rio, and there's another boat chase with a different superboat, and then James Bond fights an anaconda, and then they blast into space. And in space, they fight with space lasers in jetpacks. And then they have to race a space shuttle around the Earth to shoot up the bad guy's stuff. Scott? Yes, Greg? I have some notes. Welcome to I Have Some Notes, where we take a look at movies that have happened, and we try to make them happen a little less worse. <laughs> I am uh, I am your fill-in Colin, Scotsy Bourgeois. Uh, with me is regular host of the show, Greg Beaver. Hello. And uh, we are joined by slightly less guest hosts than I am a guest host, uh, my lovely wife, Anita. Hello. And the delightful and hilarious Liam Kreswick. Hello. First things first, I am the replacement Colin. There's no Colin this week. Yeah, it's weird doing a podcast without Colin, really. It's weird doing any podcast without Colin, really. <laughs> his, his high energy is just <laughs> kind of what drives the show, so we will miss him dearly while he's away, but he's away because... There's baby action going yeah. on there. That's right. Well, that sounds dirty. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna, it was a baby, uh, Or violent. Like, the, baby on baby action. The, the McIntyre oh. family has welcomed uh, a third, and so he is away being a father, while I am here not being a father to my baby. Because <laughs> my priorities are straight. <laughs> and, and notably, my wife is also here not looking after that same baby. Mother of the year! <laughs> we, have, we have wonderful grandparents who are willing to look after him this evening. So. Yeah, don't, don't panic, everyone. Our baby is well looked after. Don't send, don't send letters <laughs> or the cops. I promise. He is, he is very safe with his grandmother. Everything's fine. What a, what a feat, though, to be the first parents to have your child taken away by child protection services because you wouldn't stop podcasting. <laughs> That's, that would be groundbreaking, I think. Speaking of podcasting, we, there's a little some changes to the show. Oh, yes. <clears throat> but changes for the better, one would presume. Yes. I have some notes. Proud to join the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB Financial. Yeah, so the show might change just a, just a touch. There will be, you'll notice some ads. Uh, and we'll also be uh, talking about uh, a little bit about all the other members of the Alberta Podcast Network and a lot of other great shows uh, that are uh, produced right here in uh, Alberta that uh, we believe you should check out. Yeah, it's it's great to get support from uh, the Alberta Podcast Network. Uh, it's been really exciting watching that kind of come together. Yeah, and to be on board right at the ground floor is really super duper. And uh, it's a great opportunity as well to help support all the other great podcasts going on in Edmonton yeah. and around Alberta. Yeah, so we thank ATB actually for, uh, quite sincerely for stepping up and, and supporting local creatives. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. We, are, we are actually also doing a podcast tonight. Were we doing the podcast on? We are doing... Uh, <laughs> Need a spoiling my announcer there. Uh, we are doing The Greatest Bond Movie. By I'm some accounts, <laughs> by few accounts, I would presume. Um, the first Bond movie to be featured on I Have Some Notes, and probably not the last, because there are a lot of them. I think also of note is actually the oldest movie that we've done so far. I don't think we've done a, a movie from the 70s. But that's yet. okay. It's, we're breaking new ground. So, And indeed, it is from the 70s. Moonraker released June 29th, 1979, the 11th in the James Bond series. Stars Roger Moore, everyone's favorite Bond. Uh, Lois Childs, I want to say. Uh, there was some question of whether it's Lois Chiles or Lois Childs. I'm pretty Chiles. sure it's Lois Childs. I'm pretty sure it's Lois Childs. Uh, Michael Lonsdale and Richard Keel. It uh, had a budget of $34 million, and until GoldenEye came out in 1995, it was the highest grossing Bond film. I, 
$210 million in the box office. <laughs> Look at everything between Here's, Here, it gets better. Moonraker was nominated for an Academy Award. Yeah, it was. For Best Visual Effects. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, pew-pew lasers. Because the pew-pew lasers. Uh, originally... Uh, for the 11th Bond movie, they were going to do For Your Eyes Only, but uh, because Star Wars happened and everybody was excited about space, they decided, yeah, fuck screw it. that one. Exactly. <laughs> Let's do space. We're going to do a space movie, Bond. so they picked Space Moonraker. is cool. Bond needs to go to space. <laughs> uh, and director Lewis Gilbert claimed he received so much fan mail from children asking, why can't Jaws be a goodie and not a baddie, that he decided to make Jaws turn over a new leaf in this movie and become a good guy. In, I'm pretty him sure, entirely. Which, pretty which sure explains Jaws a lot cause, considering how shoehorned <laughs> in that is. Oh. And, and I'm pretty sure this is Jaws' last appearance in a Bond film, too. So. Second and last. That's I looked right. it up. <laughs> Thank God. No offense to Richard Keel. Yeah. God rest his soul. It's a flashy I thought. I actually thought he was the best part of the movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Personally. Get out. <laughs> because out mostly because if we were talking about like what we would cut and keep from the uh, yeah. of my my first cut would be James Bond. <laughs> he's, or at least Roger Moore. He's intensely disgusting like through the yeah. entire film. Kind of oh, yeah. yeah. and, and kind of maybe possibly a serial rapist. Oh Roger Moore is not nearly as rapey as Sean Connery. Oh yeah, well, trust me. We I, all know we all know uh, Sean Connery's views on women. They are indeed <laughs> they're well published. But <laughs> if you if you look through the the larger work of James Bond in general, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Roger Moore is very what's the right word for it? Skeezy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like Sean Sean Connery is is he's the rapiest. His bond is the rapiest of the bonds. He will force himself on his target woman. Whereas Roger Moore will, like, kind of sleaze. Yeah, he just sort of assumes (laughs) and kind of sleazes his way in. He acts like he's being debonair, but really he's just being kind of creepy. There, there is like that. There's a once that when he meets his contact in Rio, uh, Manuela. Yeah. uh, Like that one. Like there's no, there's no impetus of any sort of. Uh, attraction between the two, and then he just sits down next to her and just starts undoing her dress, and I was like, that is not cool, <laughs> Mr. Bond. Yeah, it's like a night robe, and he's just like, yoink, yeah. and she's like, mm. well, this is the thing that I noticed. I mean, any James Bond, except for maybe Daniel Craig, their handsiness with women is well documented, but the thing, having recently watched View to a Kill, having recently watched um, Gold, uh, Goldfinger, and one of the shittier... Um, what do you call it? Uh, uh, Pierce Brosnan ones. Oh, you're going to have to narrow that down. Brosnan well, has more I mean, than one I'm shitty. just saying, I'm like, right. I've seen a Brosnan, in the last year, I've seen a Brosnan, a two Roger Moores, and a, uh, a Connery. And the thing with the Roger Moore one, they're all kind of equally creepy, but this one, I felt the women had the least agency. Like, there's women who will say no, or there's women who will have meaningful dialogue and then be helped themselves sure, to. Yeah. Whereas in this one, there are two scenes where there are women in the scene when Roger Moore enters and then they say nothing and their job is to get up and leave. Two separate occasions, a blonde woman and a brunette. So, like, <laughs> this one is on par for Bond creepiness, but it's, like, extra shitty for women having no agency whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a frequent complaint I have about Bond movies. And the older it gets, like the further back you go in Bond history, the worse it is. Yeah, where, these movies will only seem are, are, worse the further we, you know, yeah, we go. Yeah, out. <laughs> now, it's like, no, James, no, I'm going to force you to kiss me. Oh, James, I love you. I guess we should try and go uh, go through the plot here and try and as we, I guess, we, as we go through the plot, we can sort of like pick things that we would keep yeah. or cut as we sort of. Uh, go through it. We we kind of condensely went through the plot just in the cold <laughs> yeah, open. just in the cold open because right, there so are a lot of set pieces. <laughs> yeah, the cold absolutely. Open is Bond on an airplane. Yep, coming off his last mission. Yes, turning from his last mission, Jaws shows up. Yeah, and Jaws was hidden on the plane. I don't know how. Yeah, you fight. Know, you know how you hide hide a nine foot man in a plane <laughs> yeah, in a tiny little like two prop plane. <sighs> 
Yeah, and then they fight, and then they fall, and then they fight I love, fall. I also love the, I love the guy that he punches. Like the the whatever villain he was fighting at the top is just this generic guy with like a shitty beard and sunglasses. <laughs> yeah, and just like the worst suit. And he that's just how gets, you know he's a bad guy. Yeah, he just gets punched and then thrown out of plane, and that's the, all yeah. we ever see of him. He just just a guy who looks like a dick. Like he, also, yeah, you I just get, you just kind of get thrown into it. Like yeah. there's no like there's no like this is what Bond's doing. This is his purpose. He's just like he's just on a plane and then some. Someone's attacking him immediately, and you're just like, well, that's Bond, I guess. I hope the evil stewardess on that plane can land it, because no one else was on that plane after everyone fell out. Right? Yeah, that's true. All right, so here here we get to my first cut. I wouldn't put Jaws on that plane. If you, if you must have Jaws in this movie, save him for later. Yeah. Don't. Why? Why is he on this plane? Well, he's, if you're going to make it a cold open, make it an honest-to-God cold open he's, that has... He's an assassin. Who was yeah, probably know. hired to kill Bond? I know, but if Bond's on a separate mission, then it did. Seem I like to... the classic cold open where the opening has nothing to do with the rest of the movie. It's just this cool action scene to mm-hmm. introduce Bond. You don't need Jaws, and you kind of spoil it if you reveal too early. Yeah, yeah I guess if like if he's been in previous movies, when later on in the movie, when um, Drax's assassin is killed and he hires a new assassin and then it's kind of like a, a, it's kind of like a reveal that like yeah. oh jaws is back he went yeah. back a movie to get him yeah 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 and then jaws falls into a circus yep. you'd assume would die but we're to believe that uh, <laughs> yeah. a tent caught him yeah well also jaws is notoriously unkillable like that's jaws was the first of the bond henchmen who was not just quirky but like superhuman yeah. He was the one who kind of uh who kind of set up that prototype. Because before Jaws you had you had guys like Odd Job who were quirky, but you didn't have someone who was like immune to pain or could shoot lasers from their teeth or whatever yeah. some of the other henchmen Wait, have. Someone done. can shoot lasers from their teeth? I'm just making that no. up. But well, like, I wanted but to watch I wouldn't that even movie now I'm disappointed. That's he's gonna fight Idris Elba. <laughs> wouldn't even be surprised. <laughs> Uh, no laser but, teeth man. <laughs> but that's kind of where that came from with Jaws's kind of implacable man thing where he's just yeah. right. Yeah. Made of Odd, steel. Odd job had shtick. Nick knack had shtick. Yeah. Yeah, Jaws is superhuman. Yeah. That his his shtick is invincibility. Yeah. yeah. That seems kind of I don't know, weird. Yeah, so we then we get our our generic Bond theme. Like, so I have uh, I have some born. thoughts on the on, on the, the theme. theme. <laughs> um, I was listening to it, and I gotta go back and maybe listen again. It really sounds like "Where Are You, Christmas" from The Grinch. <laughs> <laughs> Nita was saying that the uh, the theme song is only really saved by the fact that it's being sung by Dame Shirley Bassey. Yeah, yeah. the it. only is the only salvation to that song is that it's Shirley Bassey singing it. Yeah. If, if it was someone else, I'd be like, this, this song sucks. The song is irredeemable. The Moonraker <laughs> opening yeah. is not it, good. Play, I, I put it, maybe put it in the show notes. I don't want to tell you how to run your podcast, but put Where Are You Christmas from The Grinch in the show notes. And it will, <laughs> well, it we, sings up. They can also rewind the Google clock it, yeah. and, and go listen to our The Grinch episode that oh, yeah. we did last Christmas. Well, yeah, I complained go. about that movie, too. <laughs> it's, it's true, actually. comes full circle. Yep. So uh, from the uh, theme song, uh, we open up on uh, some airline people flying a shuttle to the UK, which is uh, then promptly hijacked by some hired goons who we never see again. Uh, causing who the plane appear to crash. out of nowhere? Yeah, they like they like come out of a cupboard on the space <laughs> shuttle. Or people something. popping out of cupboards right. is a through yeah. line of this movie. I forgot I mean, about yeah. that. <laughs> Here, okay, I just thought of this. Someone explain this to me. So. That particular Moonraker shuttle, mm-hmm. right, was was given to uh, the British Space Agency. Yeah, yes. So, yes. So were those guys on? Were they on the shuttle? Yes. Or yes. were they on the airplane? No, I think they were, they were on, on the, the shuttle. shuttle. They were on the shuttle. So did Drax just store two henchmen on the shuttle? <laughs> on the from off the chance. beginning, <laughs> on the off chance that he might need them, were they just going to live in that cupboard? Seems plausible. It's about as plausible as anything else that happens same, in James Bond. The same guy who's like, you know what? Jaws needs to hide in this cupboard for the entire biplane ride until it's time to pop out and fight. Oh, God, I hope Bond doesn't need to go to the bathroom. <laughs> Occupied. Just, yeah. People, it, people it showing horrible. up and leaving without cause is, again, another through line of this. It's, yeah. It happens a lot. Yeah. I think that's, like, it'll be a rhythm as we go through this, uh, the plot, just because, like, it, it gets really monotonous and boring. Yeah. It's basically the pattern is... 
James Bond goes to new location. James Bond gets attacked by assassin. James Bond goes to new location. James Bond gets attacked by assassin, and so on and so Sorry, forth. James in Bond find, finds weak reason to go to new location. Yeah. yeah. The problem with this whole movie is just like it seemed like everything was going through the motions. Like it really was just like. Now we do the thing, and now we're going to do the other thing. You know what's coming next. Just here's the next. Like, <laughs> it does feel like that a you lot. You know, there, there was someone in an executive boardroom somewhere who's like, no, it's James Bond. We need at least three exotic locations, yeah. and we have to blow up something and smash something else. Just checking things off on the Bond right? checklist. Yeah, the Bond formula. These are the things we need. This is where we hit peak spy genre pastiche. Like, it was just, yeah. It had been, this is where Bond became a parody of itself. Yeah. And that's not to say the Bond formula doesn't work. The mm-hmm. Bond formula can work. It's just that they were connecting things so loosely and with such weak reasons yeah. that it just, it was like, you guys, this just looks bad. Mm-hmm. It just looks bad. Well, the first connection is in the office with M. Yes. After quipping with Money Penny about having fallen out of a plane, mm-hmm. as you do, and getting his mission. And he starts his mission by going and checking out uh, Drax, uh, who is the owner of the Moonraker Project whose plane was stolen, by going to California, where Drax lives in a palatial French mansion. Uh, so we are introduced to our movie's villain instantly. Uh, Hugo Drax played in the most uncharismatic unchar- fashion possible. Like, he is so flat I and so... I am not so... the bad guy, Mr. Bond, <sighs> except that I totally look and sound like the bad guy. And yeah, you know he's evil, basically. It would be more interesting if he had that accent. Right? Yeah. But he just has an American accent. See, I thought he did have a... And he's so, like... He's monotone bland. and droll. Like yeah. Just... Uh, and, yeah, you know he's the bad guy basically instantly from yeah, which, everything about him. Which is That's... not a great way to... Uh, develop tension or or make interest, <laughs> and we'll and I mean that's that's a major fix we have for the for the plot. yeah. This but we'll, something we should get into that credit where it's due. Scott came up with this and we talked about it. and I really really liked the idea that maybe don't have Drax be so obviously the villain right <laughs> like, off the top. What? Spoiler alert: one of our big changes was uh, make the big third act twist be that Drax is the bad guy. Like introduce him as a helpful ally at first. Yeah, 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 and that would. Seriously improve the movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but instead Drax is instantly there and instantly the villain. It's almost like knowing what's happening before it happens isn't exciting. Yeah, <laughs> I mean it, the weird thing is Bond is clearly aware that he's the bad guy instantly. Oh well, yeah, yeah. It's not even like a like a dramatic irony thing. Like Bond gets out of the centrifuge and is like, "What happened?" No, Bond. Bond basically <laughs> like, walks. Someone tried to kill me. Can you believe? But it? I'm in this helpful allies home. Like Bond basically walks into his into his room and gets offered tea and looks across the table at Drax and, and you can see in his brain Bond is thinking, "Oh well, this guy is clearly the bad guy." Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, Bond has him made instantly. Um, <laughs> I love that he gets attacked two, maybe three different times while he's in California. Yeah, he hasn't even left California Both yet. of them just brush it off, like when they're pheasant hunting or oh God, quail he hunting. Kills that guy in the tree. And he shoots the guy out of the tree, and they give each other a look like, you almost got me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, the it, best part is, like, at that point, Technically, he just murdered someone, yeah. and they, nobody does anything about it. Nope. <laughs> well, he does have a license to kill. Oh, that's right. But, like, Drax also has, like, no empathy for his employees. No, just like, none whatsoever. Yeah, your guy tried to put a guy in the tree. And well, I mean, I, I'm not sure that he would, I mean, considering that he was going to, spoiler alert, kill almost the entire <laughs> yeah. population kill of all Earth. humans. Bender would be proud. <laughs> um, th- the thing is, like... You can see that the movie is trying to make it a weird sort of cat and cat game between Bond and Drax, (laughs) except that it never comes across as, like, they never come across as witty with each other. They never come across as, like, outsmarting one another. (laughs) That's because Drax has no wit. (laughs) And, And... uh, it's oh, it's just it's and it's more has no smarts. <laughs> like it's really and not. and the writers did not write a good yeah. script for them. Yeah. So like I can see where they're trying to go with that, but it doesn't work because no one is capable of yeah. pulling it off. The writers aren't capable. The director's not <laughs> capable. The actors aren't capable. Every, every time he, he every time he evades death, it's like they shrug their shoulders. It's like, like well, well, try well. again in the next yeah. scene. You like, missed Mr. Bond. Did I? <laughs> Guy falls out of the tree. It's like really, you guys. Really? Now, before the, fa- the I was going to say the quail hunting and the pheasant hunting at the same time, and I said the fail hunting. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was kind of like Surprisingly that. accurate. <laughs> fail hunting. Before the fail hunting happens, um, he does, we, we kind of brushed over it. He goes to visit 
uh, Drax's big space program. Yeah. And he gets shown around by our main love interest, Holly Goodhead. Goodhead. Which is both peak and valley of good Bond girl names. So at the very end, I feel like they should win. At the very end, like the very, very end, they should have been 69ing. (laughs) (laughs) Might have been a little too risque for the time. Yeah, (laughs) maybe. But, uh, and she is a part of Drax's space program. And secretly a CIA agent, as we learn later. Despite being, quote unquote, a woman. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Which is is both shocking and uh, maddening for Bond throughout the uh, rest of the movie. Um, and she shows him around the space program, and he gets put in a centrifuge, and uh, Drax is karate man. He tries to kill Bond by centrifuging him to death, but fortunately Bond has a, uh, a gadget that Q gave him back at headquarters that shoots a dart out of his wristwatch. And Bond has, even though this gadget was given to him maybe eight minutes ago in the movie, Bond has some flashbacks to getting it oh, yeah. to oh, remind us, to remind us that he got it. <laughs> And then he shoots the controls and the centrifuge stops. And you know, centrifuge safe. flashbacks. Exactly. Can I just say something just about film in general? Yeah. I hate those type of flashbacks. I hate I hate when a movie doesn't trust the audience. But to it's even more shit. egregious because it happened eight <laughs> minutes yeah. ago. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, do, I, I don't yeah. disagree with that. Yeah. It's very egregious in this instance, but I just like, I think I think you should always trust the audience yeah. to have, like, I can see in in the case of, like, maybe a television show where something happened at the beginning of the season and, and you're at the end of your season yeah. and it was, like, ten or, hours ago. Or if the flashback okay. is entirely new information. Yeah. But they yeah. have flashback, like Scott said, eight minutes ago in the movie <laughs> to a scene we just watched. <laughs> We have to flash back to it so that we know why he's firing things out of his wrist. Ugh. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Then he gets taken out quail hunting. Uh, after he sneaks around Drax's mansion, after sleeping with the first woman. Oh, yes, There's always then, the first woman. Who is then 100% on his side because that's what sex does to a woman. Exactly. And she helps him uh, find some plans for some glass. And that's the, the, the loose impetus to go to tissue. Venice. Yeah, yeah, to get him to Venice. And then she gets eaten by dogs. Yeah, right. In a, she in gets a eaten scene, by dogs for like 15 minutes. Yeah, in a scene that's entirely too long. Well, that, that long. and it seems like, it, I said this while I was watching, is like the drama in that particular scene, like how long the chase was and, and, and the, the musical swell and stuff like that seemed entirely unearned. It's like we don't care oh, about this character whatsoever, yes. and this that would this that would definitely be a cut for me. It was just like just a cut. Oh, the, the dogs would have been entirely. a cut for me too. Because here's the most egregious part: these dogs get set up early on. The dogs eat the first Bond girl, and then they're never seen again. Yeah, and I'm like, he'd... how did Bond never fight those dogs? We, <laughs> no one knows that she's dead except the audience. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> like Bond assumes that she just left back yeah. to. Bond doesn't come across her body at all. Yeah. I, I mean, she would be inconsequential to Bond either way. So. The first sex woman is always inconsequential, and she always dies. <laughs> but Look at least the like, you formula, find them people. covered in gold. Like You have some like, oh no, yeah. she's all covered Drowning in gold. Drowning in oil, something. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. And so we're off to Venice, and we like smash cut from her getting eaten by dogs to Venice. Because Venice is the only place in the world where you can get glass. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> as we well know, the best glass in the yeah. world is hand-blown, not machined. Yes. Yeah. Hand blown into perfect uh, hexagons. Uh, hexagons. Yeah. <laughs> Makes sense. Yep, because only human hands have such precision. <laughs> it's almost can't like order, this movie can't has order flaws. custom glass anywhere else. Nope. Uh, and Bond goes Gotta and checks go out. Venice. Goes and checks out the glass factory and figures out that they're making these hexagons. Oh, and we have to go through Chekhov's glass museum. Oh, my, uh, my favorite part about this is that <laughs> he looks at the he looks at the hexagon. Yeah. Then he looks at that. Oh, business, yeah, the business card. card. <laughs> 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 is like, yep, checks out. <laughs> a clue. Uh, uh, I, uh, uh, <laughs> That's how he got there after like nine or ten stops at stop signs. <laughs> where he's like, he should have well, just, just marched up the gas, the glass blower, and been like, Jacques. <laughs> He's uh, in Venice. He would have to be in it. Uh, but who else is in Venice with Bond but Holly Goodhead? What? Snooping around as well. And this tips off Bond that she's not just a Drax employee, but she's working for the CIA. And they have a sexy, disarming scene in a Venice hotel. Yeah. 
This is after like a couple pointless po- boat chases and a big glass. Oh yeah, the, I think the gondola chase happens before oh, yeah, we they get down over to the, the hotel. Stupid gondola chase. <laughs> so I mean, can, I mean, can we was... just skip over the gondola chase? Well, well they, even the movie does. Yeah, kind they, of, yeah. Because he's just suddenly on a gondola, and then a man pops out of a coffin and kills the gondolier. <laughs> oh yeah, wait. And then Bond, and then Bond like pulls a steering wheel out of the gondola <laughs> and like drives away in this super gondola that came out of nowhere. That then yeah. turns into a hover. Craft yep. and he drives through St. Peter's Square. Well, pigeons do triple takes. Yeah, the best part about that was like, I didn't know the gondola was his or they would have any yeah. gadgets. So I was like, what is happening? Yeah, it's what like is they going on? cut a scene where he meets with a gondolier who's also a spy. Yeah. <laughs> but instead, it's just suddenly there's a magic gondola. My two, I also realized, did they explain why the guy was hiding in a coffin? No. 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 <laughs> it's just a coffin on a boat. Just a coffin and the guy just Okay, and the other guy, one was guy wanted to be buried with his knives. Yeah. Like that's he, that was a really really elaborate trap too cuz he opens up the coffin and like this this um spider web of knives just goes click 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 click. click, click. Right? He's got like the choice of like a million knives and he's like, oh, "I've been waiting all day for this. I can't wait." You see this wheel? See this wheel of knives? One of these is going to kill you. One of them yeah. <laughs> the other thing is they triple, maybe quadruple dip on the the reaction shots of people in oh, the audience. Oh, I know, being surprised that there's a hovercraft gondola, but which the is waiter fu- who keeps pouring yeah, one without is, looking. One is funny, but they <laughs> there's do always, like there's always one drunkard who looks at his booze and tosses it yeah. away. Doesn't like a dog get like a spit take? There's almost? like everyone in the Could crowd be. gets a spit take. <laughs> they they do a pigeon double take by rewinding the film. Oh right, yeah, that's right. So Bond gets with Holly Goodhead. <laughs> And then, uh, because they don't trust each other, they both bail on each other in different ways. Bond goes back to the glass factory to check it out uh, in has, the dark has of night. Has a fight with Karate Man. Has a fight with Karate Man that destroys Chekhov's glass factory. Uh, and Bond also finds the secret Venice lab where two scientists are working on deadly poison. Oh, right. And accidentally deadly poisons them. <laughs> that was pretty great. That's probably the best scene. <laughs> but the rats in the room are mysteriously unharmed, which is our first hint that uh, this is a... Depopulation gas only aimed at humans because Drax wants to kill all humans. It's uh, not a very good hint. No, it it no, is, however. In fact, I didn't put that together until you pointed it yeah. out. Oh, there you go. I, I was picking up what they were laying down. Like the movie, <laughs> no, was, the movie was being pretty obvious about it, guys. It's not subtle. I think you're overestimating how closely I was paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> not a subtle movie. Uh, so this uh, this makes Bond uh, decide to follow Holly to Rio, where she's already taken off to, because that's where Drax is secret lair is uh the glass was being shipped by a company in rio owned by drax and that's the link to rio there's yeah. our connective yeah so then he goes he, then he goes to rio and meets another contact and then she grows, is never seen again yeah, yeah does something gross to her and then oh, she goes has, away okay <laughs> Ugh, this this is how bad the writing is in in the whole rio scene because it's carnival yeah right and she gets she she leads Bond to the secret place wherever that he's supposed to go, where he climbs into a building for not a very good reason. And Jaws comes out of the crowd. Oh yeah, because oh, at this scary, point, scary. because Bond has have, killed the Karate Man, they have we should a mention. silent assault fight. Th- that was he my... comes and grabs her, and she's like, ah! except she's not making any sound. Except she doesn't make any sound. She doesn't scream. She doesn't hit. She just goes surrounded ah! by as he all very the slowly like grabs her shoulders. Yeah. Really. I will. Really, s- movie. So first of all, the Karate Man was killed in in Venice. He falls through a piano after Bond oh, yeah. destroys a priceless national treasure. Um, and As he does. And then uh, Drax is like on the phone in the next scene, and he's like, "Oh, I need a new guy because my Karate Man's dead." <laughs> oh yeah, if you can get that guy, you should hire him. This... And then Jaws is now in the movie again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The scene where the scene where Drax and that lady fight in the alley, and then Bond jumps down. That's where I like got upset with this movie. Like I was giving it a chance, and I'm like, okay, I've kind of checked out like not checked out but like got frustrated because the fight so the woman doesn't fight back jaws doesn't really fight her bond barely fights him and the thing that gets them separate like breaks up the fight (laughs) is like a dozen people partying and then jaws is like helplessly swept away away down the alley by like eight people that he can't get through and that is how jaws is defeated in real sort of like a looney tunes way of ending that uh, though i acted so like oh no these eight people he's like i can't i can't get away (laughs) i will say that his clown costume is utterly horrifying oh that was yeah. Like oh, seeing yes. that come down the alley at the 
That shit came down yeah, the aisle. Yeah, it's like some straight, straight up Stephen King shit coming <laughs> at you. Terrifying. Terrifying. <laughs> so that was that was a rare, well done moment in this movie. Uh, so uh, I, I I was not really entirely certain why why they were there. Oh, uh, it was the shipping company. That was the shipping company. Yeah, and, and so and then, what did he gives, what did he find there? He found uh, the location of Drax's lair. Oh, okay. Yeah. He just had it hanging around. Gotcha. Yeah. So we uh, had to go all the way to Rio to get the address. Yeah. Well, it's still the in secret lair. the secret lair is still in Central America. Yeah. It's not far away. It's just a simple another boat chase away. In fact. Oh right. Is the boat chase next? Yes. Oh yeah. Uh, and then he and then he ends up in the monastery. So yeah, there's another boat chase uh, with another super boat. I and think you might be getting ahead. I think you're. There's, oh no. There's the the monastery is before the second boat chase. Oh yeah, the monastery. And the other reason I remember the monastery. So the fights all around in this movie are terrible. Like some of the action sequences are good. A lot of the set looks really good, but the fisticuffs are just sad. Like they're just one notch better than like get away from me. Like <laughs> slapping at each other. That is because Roger Moore is an old man. But the part that got me is when he's in the monastery. Roger Moore opens a door, looks at two guys having a really awesome martial arts fight, and then just closes. and then just closes it. Like that fighting is way too good for no. this movie. Oh, no. like, oh, we can't afford this we anymore. Can't be and, it's like, and it's like two Franciscan friars who are having like a judo fight yeah. in the middle of this yeah. monastery in in Brazil. Yep, it's and almost then, as if to say like, oh, I shouldn't have showed you that. <laughs> that was well, they're going to make me look bad. <laughs> and, and the monastery of, is of course a, a secret MI six base, and M is there, and Q is there, and Money Penny is this there. This would be another cut. From, I hate this. I, I don't understand why MI six suddenly is in uh, Brazil for. And, and even money pennies there, like they're they, something they have, something James Bond formula. They they all just like shipped over just because yep. they because they, they did the Q scene at MI6 headquarters at the beginning when he got the dart. So now they're like, well, we got to give him more gadgets because he already used the one we gave him yeah, in the first. But scene. he's not supposed. He's not even supposed to be there. And yeah. he, he went there oh, yeah, against right. the orders he's, of MI6. It's all secret. Like you better quote unquote go on vacation. <laughs> so, oh, that's right. So we what forgot. the fuck? Yeah, are we they forgot to disappear. Thought, thought about where you'd like to go. I've we always liked about, to go to Rio. So. We forgot back in Venice uh, after he found the secret lab with the scientists he gases he takes like M and the minister of defense to go and check it out the next day and it's like gone and it's just like a palatial oh, yeah. office oh, yeah. with yeah, Rax in, in it and so the minister of defense is like you're off the case Bond <laughs> yeah. I need your badge and yeah. your gun that's an important plot point because this is actually where the movie could have been like it's it's part of a movie that could have been good like the idea that like I kind of I, I would have liked the idea that like Bond was like he was obsessed with Drax or whatever, and like, and then he eventually just kind of like goes off the rails, and then it, you know, you reach this point where he's at his, he's at his lowest because he's been completely flummoxed by Drax. Yeah. Who, that would have made a much better movie. The, yeah. And if they oh, and then to say the third act reveal that Drax is the bad guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it explains away. Yeah. Oh man, that. Yeah. Boy, do we even need to do a second half? We're getting yeah. <laughs> we're getting it all in the first. No, we we're, we're bringing it <laughs> right away. So easy. Yeah. We're, we're we're bringing it. Just in some tighten points. this. It's really a lot of screw tightening. Yeah. Like it's yeah. it's all there. It's just they put it together with like post-it notes, yeah. not anything right? secure. Yeah. yeah, it's like a chewing like gum a and first draft yeah. script. Yeah. So from the monastery, Bond whisks down the Amazon on a boat uh, on another superboat, the second superboat in the movie, with a second superboat chase. And that takes him over a waterfall and, like, right outside the back door to uh, Drax's secret lair, which he follows a scantily clad woman into. We missed a fight somewhere. Did we? Oh, that's okay. We, we don't mean the we, tram fight we're, we're running long oh, on time anyway. So we're, going just, we're going we're B through B through fights a tram cable. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay, so there's a tram fight. Then the thing is, it's like there's so many fights in this thing that are like it's, completely and utterly it's pointless. All that a it bunch just doesn't of matter. Strung together set pieces. Yeah, basically. And then he ends up in the secret lair. I guess I guess Python. I guess no. Wait, there is an important plot point there, and that is at the end of the up, at the end of the with... tram fight, oh, yeah. Jaws meets the love of his life, Daisy. Daisy, and then they just. They, it's they important at the end of the movie. But this is so shoehorned in, which is why we forgot about it. But yeah. Did you like just like the tram collapses or whatever, and Jaws? Uh, I think he's in the tram or whatever yeah. when it crashes, right? And then uh, he gets out of the rubble and there's a woman there and then that was like that's their meet cute yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah she was then the, the she was there the classic R&J theme plays <laughs> yeah. and it's yeah. stupid yeah. I was I I maybe gave this movie way too much credit I assumed she had been in the previous movie 
and no. that was, and then they were no. like, oh, it's you again. We can finally have the love we were denied in the last film. Yeah. Nope. Nope, just a no. random An, an equally girl. as beautiful as any other Bond woman, just short and has pigtails, therefore weird enough for Jaws. Yeah. Yeah. Also, no lines, so they not did not have to pay her word of dialogue. nearly as much. Let's see with those four women that just get up and leave that I was talking about earlier. <laughs> there's a, there's a whole bunch of like little things that happen, but like like let's just just, yes. just skip over a lot of this stuff and just go straight to secret lair. The, the eventually, yeah, Bond yeah. gets to the secret lair he, and is captured after losing a fight to a python. Yep, Drax. Oh wait, uh, no, he beats the python, but then is captured by Jaws. He then is he's captured by. He is vaulted because he happened to be standing on the secret platform uh, Holly, into the water where they release the python. Holly was previously captured after the tram fight. In an ambulance fight. That's right, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, where we have that brief cowboy movie for no reason. And then the cowboy Bond movie shows led up us in a poncho on a fucking burrow. The cowboy movie intro led us to the monastery. Yeah. Um, <laughs> with the pointless cowboy scene. Can't have a space movie without cowboys oh, I don't know if you guys know, but this was an exquisite corpse. This uh, this movie was just like 20 different writers each took a seed. <laughs> well, apparently. So, uh. so Bond is captured and Drax reveals his evil plan. He wants to take all the beautiful people into space and then gas the Earth so that... They can go and create a new master race. And then he's going to uh, let a space shuttle burn Bond, but they escape into another space shuttle because Drax's base is lousy with space shuttles. The, be- the best part of that. Five of them, right? Yeah. The best part of that, he literally says, Bond, you're really making it difficult to kill you with elaborate traps. <laughs> well, I'm going to put you underneath this jet fuel now. This sixth times the charm, as they say. I did, I did appreciate that though, because he said that he he said something about he wanted to kill Bond in an amusing way. Yeah, because he was like he was just sort of entertaining himself. So at least at least that was sort of like okay, he's the weird eccentric guy that like he's doing it for for yeah. the lols, basically, yeah. right? And then I was like, nah, I appreciate that. Yeah. At least they gave us a reason for it for yeah. the the villain being a total dumbass. It was just like <laughs> yeah. coming up with dumb ways of killing someone when he could literally just shoot them at any time. But the fifth that like he says that after five failed attempts and then the sixth <laughs> one he's like, oh, we're going to try like try it again. <laughs> he's got these awesome dogs. I don't know. What he's <laughs> Didn't take he the just, dogs to real. He just refuses to accept that he just needs to shoot him. Uh, no, it must be elaborate and ridiculous. So Holly, in addition to being with the CIA, is an astronaut which has been established. That's why she was able to infiltrate the Drax group or whatever it's called. Mm-hmm. And so she and Bond fly off into space on a space shuttle full of beautiful people. And, keep making out. And then they go to Drax's secret space station, which is uh, shielded from ground radar, but also apparently no one's ever looked through a telescope and noticed it, which was just like so dumb. So dumb. Um, and they they get on the space station, and Drax is like, here's a new home, beautiful people, we're going to make a new perfect society with all of the charisma of... Going to very slowly turn on the gravity, of because that's how space works. Ferris Bueller's teacher and Ferris Bueller's day off. Um, and then Bond, in, of course, kind of messes up the plans when he convinces Jaws that maybe Drax is probably not going to be helping him and his lady yeah. friend repopulate the earth because Jaws is a freakish monster. Yeah, yeah. And she has pigtails. And she yeah. has pigtails, so she's also clearly <laughs> yeah, a freakish seriously, monster. Why, why didn't she conform to the master race? I didn't yeah, understand she, that. I, How did I, she even get on the space I'd, shuttle? I'd repopulate the moon with her. I don't know about you guys. But I, did, I did notice she that there were, other ethnicities on that, there were other ethnicities on that we space station, too, so he wasn't, like, he wasn't full Nazi. Yeah. We, we noticed that too, because Nita was like, there's a lot of fa- white faces there, and I was like, there's some black people, and there's some like Indian people. The Drax is surprisingly progressive. And he did mention earlier on that he was getting the best and brightest from all over the world. Yeah, so that was yeah. kind of... I mean, they all get lasered in space later on. But, yeah. Um, and then, spoiler alert, they all get lasered in space. <laughs> we'll maybe save that reveal for the actual cut part. That's <laughs> like the detailed description. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Jaws turns on Drax and then... Uh, Bond manages to shut off the gravity, which makes everything go crazy, and then they turn off the radar, so U.S. Space Command is like, oh, crap, there's a space station up there. Better send our Marines to a space shuttle and yes. launch them into space to go fight in our space. fully trained and ready space Marines, which we keep on standby. And then, and then there is literally a jetpack laser fight in space. And the lasers and all make this, like, pew, 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 wah, wah, wah noise. It's... Like, indi- like individual people, like twenty on twenty yeah. space fight between. Like, I kind of, I kind of actually like that part though. Like I, I, I loved it. it. 
if for, like, shooting the wrong their, reasons. Shooting yeah. their, like, laser bolts <laughs> what I ammunition love. at each other. I was like, watching that, I'm like, man, uh, do we remember when pheasants were dying an hour ago? <laughs> yeah, really, how far have we It's come? like we're in a different movie all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah. So... <laughs> Yeah, so it's really what? funny that like the space stuff is really only in like the last twenty minutes. I yep. think. So Drax gets a laser gun and he's in a hallway with Bond and he's like, "I'm going to kill you now, Mister Bond." And then Bond remembers that he still has that uh, dart gun in his watch without the help of a flashback. Which, without the help of a flashback this time. <laughs> I'm surprised the movie trusted us to remember. And he uh, shoots Drax and then also shoots Drax out into space. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> then uh, goes by Drax. Yeah. In a scene that la- later would inspire uh, an Austin Powers movie. Exactly. <laughs> um, and so uh, Bond and Holly uh, make their way to a space shuttle, but uh, Jaws and his lady friend are stuck on board the space station and help Bond escape because Jaws is a good guy now because of all those kids who wrote in. And uh, <laughs> and then uh, there's like an off comment after the space station blows up that you can see like the bridge module floating away and yeah. Bond is like ah Jaws will be fine yeah he's a, like he'll land he survived worse <laughs> We're like how and he's, then that's a space because space. because Drax was able to fire off some of his uh, some of his gas bombs uh, Holly and Bond have to like do some precision flying and some precision laser shooting to blow them up and then that's the end of the movie Bond sexes Holly. On a space shuttle in front of Bucking, in front of the Queen and the President, and the Prime uh, Minister. and then we cut to uh, we cut to credits, and that's yeah. the end of Moonraker. Moonraker is mercifully done at this juncture. <laughs> Moonraker is two hours, two hours. long. Yeah. It is two hours which, too long, which, some might and say. And there's so much going on that it perhaps explains why it's been taking us so long to go through the entire yeah. plot because there's like there's so many different set pieces and things like that to describe that. Like we yeah. missed some of them. We yeah, were going I mean the broad, the, the broad strokes of, of the of the plot are quite simple, but like just to sort of like go there's a, through. There's every, a lot of padding and a lot of filler yeah. for the plot that isn't all that strong no. to hold it up. Yeah, we should take a break. We should take. We a should break. take a short break to uh, but, kind but, of but, sift through this this wreckage. But before break, uh, we should Scott, mention something. Yes, <laughs> I have money. Where put money? <laughs> You might consider putting your money to charity with ATB Cares. Uh, it's uh, definitely a great idea. Uh, what you do is you can donate to your favorite charity on atbcares.com, and ATB covers the fees, and they add 15% to your donation. So it's a great way to support uh, charities and cro- uh, causes and not-profits that you uh, want to support. Uh, in 2017... Over $4 million was donated to charity through ATB Cares. So uh, obviously they want to do more to help more people. So uh, you should definitely uh, take a look at that if you want to uh, donate some money to charity. All right, we'll be right back. Try and fix this turd. No doubt you have realized the splendor of my conception. First, a necklace of death about the earth. 50 globes, each releasing its nerve gas over a designated area, each capable of killing 100 million people. The human race, as you know it, will cease to exist. Then, a rebirth, a new world. U.S. spacecraft on course to intercept us, sir. Activate laser. Prepare to destroy spacecraft. Welcome back to I Have Some Notes. Uh, just refreshing everybody's memory. We're doing Moonraker. Uh, and it is pretty bad. And now we are left staring at some smoking space wreckage, wondering if <laughs> anything can be salvaged from it. We've had some Not beer much. and some Skittles. We are ready to fix this. Um, well, okay. We, we kind of teased on a few cuts that we might like to make. And uh, we discussed a few changes in the first half. Um, and we kind of teased what Anita and I agreed would be our first big change to the movie, which would be to um, make it so that Drax isn't so obviously the bad guy. When he's introduced, have him be introduced as Bond's ally, as someone who's like, oh my God, my shuttle got stolen. Mr. Bond, you need to help, you need to help me figure out what happened because like, my reputation is on the line and I love my space program and I'm willing to give you every, like, spare no expense. You, you have my backing. Here's my s- super boat. Here's money. Go and and 
find my shuttle so that when he does turn out to be the supervillain in the third act, it's a big betrayal and a big shock. Yeah. And we were suggesting that a way to make Holly more important is have Holly and Bond start the movie as enemies. And Bond thinks Holly is working for the bad guy who would be maybe karate guy as like, as, we, you, as need a, you need a stand in villain, a stand in evil yeah, corporation. Like, like the, right? like the, the twist is that the guy Bond thought was the villain isn't the villain. Yeah. So we, yeah. we I'm just using Karate Guy as the stand-in for or that. The, or the weirdo at the beginning who gets thrown out of the plane. Sure. Yeah. Sure. And so he thinks Holly's Give working for that guy do. at first because yeah. Holly seems to be coming after Drax. And then when they get to the gondola scene, that's where they finally compare notes and, real, and he realizes, oh, Drax is the bad guy. Yeah. Because she's been after Drax, but she didn't know what Drax was up to. And Bond had that piece of the puzzle with, like, the gas or something. Mm-hmm. And so when they finally compare notes, they're both on the same side, and they both know what they need to do. They both have the whole puzzle at that point. Yeah, now she knows what the evil plan is. And he and knows, now that he Drax knows that Drax is it's the bad guy. Drax, and yeah. The, and, then you go into your, and then you go into your space thing. And our fix for the implausible space station was because Drax is so, like, he's the Elon Musk of his time. He's a billionaire with space plans. Uh, And it's the late 70s, set up early in the movie, that Drax isn't just in charge of his own private space company. He's also responsible for building, basically, the International Space Station. And so when he has a space station, that's why. It's just that he was building a space station for nefarious kill all humans purposes. Yeah, hide it in plain sight. You don't have to make it a secret space station. And then you don't have... The implausibility of a giant space station in orbit that that NASA has no, never but it, noticed, but it had a cloaking device, or even <laughs> noticed leaving the ground. Yeah, like, like it's never been noticed that all of these parts were being sent up there. Like, yeah, <laughs> like so. Those were our big our big initial fixes. Yeah, um, I don't I don't disagree. I think that's a pretty good uh, fix. Like mine, my way of sort of like fixing it was just would be more to. To not necessarily make it so that Drax is obviously not the villain, but to have have Bond just believe through and through that he's the villain, but it but he keeps getting basically outsmarted and outwitted yeah. by him throughout the movie, and this would at least give you some excuse to have all these these set pieces because yeah. he keeps trying to he keeps trying to prove that he's right, and I kind of like the idea that, like he's got something. Bond knows he's got he's he's finding he's finding little clues that he's he's up to something really evil, but he just can't really prove what it is mm-hmm. to to make the cat and mouse game more. Um, well, to, well, to, to have to any cat and mouse it, game at all, and to, and to expand on what they were trying to do and execute on it correctly, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like that's what the the movie was trying to do, yeah. and just like just a the whole movie's just like such a. Everyone seems to be giving 75%. Well, yeah. the writers, yeah. the actors, it's just all like... Uh, well, and, and one of the reasons that the cat and mouse game doesn't really work as well is because Bond is too... Bond is too competent in the movie yeah. to be outsmarted, yeah. and Drax is too stupid in the movie to outsmart well, Bond. Well, he, he keeps getting... He keeps, all he does is keep... Because he, he keeps foiling... Drax's plans by and which Drax's only real plans, as far as the audience knows, for the most part, is just that he wants to kill Bond. Yeah, <laughs> which isn't doesn't which doesn't make for, uh, for a great plot when when you're just kind of watching the movie and like I don't know what Drax is up to, but clearly he wants Bond dead. I guess it's it's Wiley Coyote and Roadrunner for the first yeah. hour. Yeah, well, and that's why our our secret villain twist I think would work is because then you have Bond chasing the wrong guy for the first part of the movie like he's piecing yeah. together the the evil scheme yeah but he's being flummoxed because he's he can't seem to get the guy that he's that's behind it even though he's sure he's pointed at the right guy yeah so that when holly reveals to him oh like drax owns the company that you're chasing and bond is like oh shit drax is the guy yeah like it's yeah. the the penny drops and it's a it's a big surprise yeah and then then I it, then that, it that actually then it becomes a spy thriller. Yeah, like yeah. It's like you do that. To be. You do that at the end of your second act, and then your third act is is your exciting you know pursuit. Your pursuit yeah. after dra- of, you of get to Drax's lair. Right? You it's go your, into space. it's your boss fight. Yeah, <laughs> I think you hit the nail on the head where it's like, oh, now it's a spy movie. We, the audience knows everything, and Bond knows pretty much everything all the way through yeah. the movie. There's yeah. no big 
There's no spying happening. There's no the the movie. We're waiting for the movie to reveal things to us. We are not waiting for things to be revealed in the movie. Yeah, that's right. And that's really the problem with it. Yeah, is, yeah, yeah. And like we touched that on that earlier. That it's like the movie. It just feels like it's going through the motions. Like, like basically the movie is saying to us, "Okay, you know who Bond is. This is the things that Bond does. Here they are." Yeah. Like and that's essentially it, and, without, and that yeah, to without, me is why it's probably one of the most boring movies I've ever seen. Without without justifying it or or giving it good purpose, you yeah. have it in there because it's part of the Bond formula. Yeah. Well, no. You need all the, the connective tissue. Yeah, yeah and you, have to, that's you have why to. Like, justify why it's there. I like the idea of the of the villain continually flummoxing in Bond yeah. just because it subverts this this like he's the most amazing spy ever trope kind of thing, mm-hmm. right? Where he just he keeps keep keeps trying his best but he keeps failing and he just can't catch this guy and even if it is like it's, it's he do, even two. if he doesn't know that it's Drax doing it it's still it still works for me like just well, yeah. like to have that element and, in and it. in fact it's even it's it's almost a better betrayal at that point if it is Drax doing it because yeah. then Bond legitimately for a while doesn't know why he keeps yeah. hitting the brick wall and it's because the guy who he thinks has been helping him the whole time is the bad guy. Yeah. And is is continuously sending him to brick walls to hit. <laughs> can I can I fix a, a scene? Yes. <laughs> because this drove me crazy. So that so uh just before we go into space, um Holly and Bond are captured and Drax puts them in a boardroom, right? Yeah. And it's kind of a crazy looking boardroom. It's uh, you know, there's a big table, chairs all around it. Uh, it's it's all spacey looking, like the the sides are all metal, sheet metal and stuff like that. So it's an interesting looking boardroom, and 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 when Drax reveals that he's going to kill them, the boardroom transforms. So the table goes down, the chairs go down, right, yeah. and then uh, up above it opens up and it reveals that there is a shuttle engine pointed right at them, and. That might be an interesting scene, except that we've never seen that fucking boardroom before. Yeah. We, they were just in a boardroom. So when they're just in a boardroom, I'm like, why the fuck did they capture them and put it in the boardroom? Are they yeah. going to, like, negotiate to leave or what? And, and I found out reading the wiki that they had actually cut a scene in which Drax is in that boardroom with some co-financers of the whole project and they have like a little scene that plays out so you see that boardroom before so if you if you got to see it earlier in the movie and then later on it's revealed like he, Drax built this crazy ass boardroom boardroom of so death so uh, uh, ballsy like he just like he built it underneath a, a rocket ship like yeah. that would seem pretty badass but just like I'm just like the way that it's set up is just like I'm just confused just kidding but conference like, room B is actually yeah, an engine I'm just like why is this why is this boardroom a transformer I don't get yeah. it it's like setting up two incredibly well trained and vicious death dogs and then not having Bond fight the two <laughs> You're really, incredibly really on about those dogs, eh? Those dogs. fucking I wanted, dogs. I wanted Bond to fight those dogs. <laughs> on that note, I would cut the dogs because Bond never fights those dogs. <laughs> can we can we cut the terrible Jaws romantic plot? Can yes. We, can we just not have oh, that? This is, this is something we discussed the other night, too, is you can still have Jaws turn on Drax because there's there's still a logic there even without the romantic It's actually plot. more logical. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. And, and then, he doesn't have a partner. He's not on the arc two by two. And then he realizes oh I'm screwed. Like, yeah. Um, by being not screwed. Uh, but then we actually we also thought while they're escaping they get separate or they get to the shuttle and they realize the shuttle's stuck and then Jaws leaves the shuttle and like bites the thing that lets them escape. Oh, he does a Jaws thing. Yeah, and then he sacrifices himself <laughs> to save sure. them. And you kill off Jaws, but you kill off Jaws you give him the having noble given death. the noble sacrifice, sure, right? Yeah. I think yeah. that would be better. It would have yeah. been better than Jaws and his weird girlfriend drift away into space forever. I don't yeah. know. Right? I mean, conversely, you could have, like, you could, you could have Drax ha- give Jaws, like, a handler, like a woman handler, that like's trying to make sure that he's doing 
he's he's assassinating Bond correctly yeah. <laughs> or whatever. Amusing so that and, and they sort of like fall in love throughout the film, like yeah. at least yeah, or so, yeah, yeah. I mean, you could, I mean, you, that would give you like you say, like it would give you an opportunity to have some comic relief in there and stuff like that. They could, if you wanted to keep him as like yeah. a good guy, and you wanted to have that turn at the end where he he him and his girlfriend fly off into space happily ever after. <laughs> Yeah. Except they don't, because then almost immediately after that, the uh, space station explodes into explodey death. I don't think it does. Which they it totally does. it does. No, because there's a there's isn't there there's a line that no, says, he says don't worry about be them. They'll fine. be fine. And then he's bathed in explosion light. And then explosion. Oh, I don't remember. But that. then they are fine. Oh, yeah. They get picked <laughs> up by the space marines. So, it's, it's really like stupid. Yeah. It's really the dogs really come stupid. for them. <laughs> yeah, and then the dog the space dogs. <laughs> space dogs at that point are almost like just believable <laughs> like not even a suspension of disbelief at that point you've suspended so much of it. Mm-hmm. i know it was put in to soften jaws and sort of turn him into a good guy but you, you really don't need it yeah i, it, I think it, it, it would have it might have been fine if it was if there were if that was sort of like wor- worked into the movie earlier Rather than just like, I mean, it, I guess it's kind of funny that he just like they had like that whole romantic music beat or whatever. Yeah, but I don't know. It's kind of hacky too. Yeah, it's a little. But that, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's rough. It's, I, I would go so far as to call it camp. Yeah, it's yeah. campy. And that it's, would be the movie overall. It goes, it goes that far. Yeah, that it's just this ridiculous. movie is like is is a couple dick jokes away from being Austin Powers. I mean, yeah, really. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. The the sad part about Moonraker is that it it has it has good bones, right? Like there's a decent yeah. story underneath it. Me. There's a story underneath it. <laughs> there's a story underneath it. Let's not so, go so far good. to call it decent. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the for, the formula's there. They just like limpress their way through the whole formula, mm-hmm. and that's really that's my big fix and cut is like, I would tighten up all the fights because none of like the fights just look look. I'm in an improvised Dungeons and Dragon improv show. We improvise sword <laughs> fights with foam swords, limited amount of fight training, and I guarantee you we look better than the fights in this movie. <laughs> and we're improvisers bad. making it up with foam swords. And yeah. he, it's just a lot of like, eh, bleh, eh. And I just, it really, for all these great action scenes when there's like, they're dropping exploding mines into the, you know, at each other in a boat, and then the next scene they're just sort of like, wrestling each other off a bench it's just it doesn't really that that was my biggest problem and then the other one of all the weak delivered lines of all the like no enthusiasm not bad acting but like unenthusiastic acting the one that got me was right at the end when they're the very last thing where they're blowing up all the uh, pods that are going to put the death poison oh, into oh yes and I, I wrote some of the dialogue down she uh, goodhead looks at him and goes the controls aren't responding. Wings are beginning to glow. James, this is our last chance. They're blowing up poison in space, yep. and they're like, yeah, okay. And they are delivering the driest <laughs> dialogue. It's like they're passing spreadsheets between each other, between there cubicles. Is, like, they just... Oh, yeah. There is no urgency. There is no excitement. There's no tension. Nothing. Just, I'm going to deliver my lines. Also, on the very slow. There are going to be lengthy pauses in yeah. between what we say to each other. It's awful. Yeah, that, those are those are my big ones. That, also, when, that, when that first pod, when they when they shoot down the first pod, and then I was like, oh my god, because it took so long for it to happen. I was like, yeah. is there two more of these? I was like, they're not. They're gonna compress the time, right? Like, I don't want to watch another One, <laughs> two scenes. Two, like three, this. we got them. No, it's <laughs> four minutes. Yep, yeah, it man, is man. way too so long. Did, like so much of the rest of this movie. This movie did make me realize how I want to die. People always ask the hypothetical question, like, how would you want to die? And I've decided it's by airlock. That's how I like want Drax. to go. Like Drax. <laughs> at the end, that's the way to go. And because I was listening to, the, there's a really good podcast called 99% Invisible, and they talk about design. Oh, I was just watching that the other day. Yeah, it's it's really good podcast, and they had a whole one on space junk. And I didn't realize all the satellites and shit we've been throwing up into space for years is floating around and you think, well, space is huge. Like what is, what's the problem? Yeah. But they're one, they're whipping around at like crazy high speeds. And there's, I I, I guess some way the way gravity works, there's kind of like freeways of flow. Like it's not just flowing around chaotically. It's in a, it's in a, a a, A lane, a lane. (laughs) 
And so even something as small as like a bolt whipping at a bazillion miles an hour, I forget the number, so I'll say bazillion, <laughs> uh, whipping around the orbit at a bazillion miles an hour can damage other satellites and things. Once that satellite's damaged, it grows exponentially uh, to the point, I didn't know this, there's actually a chip in the windshield of the International Space Station. And every time they look out the window, they see this little chip, and it's a reminder that at any point, space junk can come just whipping right through mashing them. mashing into them. Which is why I want to die in space. Because <laughs> then I want my corpse to just, like, <laughs> against the space, the windshield of the International Space Station, and they, they either got to leave it, or someone has to go squeegee me off. Either way, I'm good. Uh, so that's that's how I want, that's, I now have Every morning, to I just have to die. get up to Liam's face. It's just like, because you'd be perfectly preserved. Yeah, you just your cheek just like <laughs> squished up against the windshield. <laughs> That's... Permanently stuck in a... <laughs> yeah. Out the airlock in low Earth orbit. So I think uh, I think we can all agree at this juncture, Moonraker is a fixable movie. It's bad, but it's not irredeemably bad. Yeah. That's true for most it's of not, movies. It's not Birdemic yeah. or The Room or something like that. It yeah. has... It has, you know... Something you can. Well, follow. I think that's the biggest problem with it is that it's 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 just beats. It's just going through the motions. It's just yeah, assu- no, assumptions and if expectations. It, if, if it was the exact same movie and it was just done with a little bit more panache, it would probably yeah. be at like ninety percent better. The set's gorgeous. Like the science scene where they're like they drop the the where you, they drop the first vial. Oh, and they all choked it. And that? they all choked it. That looked great. They're all their equipment yeah. looked awesome. Yeah. Like yeah, yeah. The sets look good. The space station looked cool. I even kind of liked how it ripped apart. Yeah. <laughs> like they clearly, it was clearly just people on on different sides of the spaces and like going like this, so like yeah. waving it back and forth. But I, I thought like, it still looked I like good. How Greg asked the listeners of the podcast to look at what he was doing when he was describing that. <laughs> this, is, this is why I don't host the podcast, Scott, because I'm not a talented radio host. I don't understand that people can't see what I'm doing. <laughs> It was some some like A plus arm waving for our listening audience right now. <laughs> so we've I think we've answered uh, Jeff Samsono's uh, first listener comment. Then can it be fixed? Does it need to be fixed? This one's going to be a hell of a challenge for you, says Jeff Samsono. <laughs> yes, yes and yes, no. Jeff. <laughs> I say yes and yes, no for me. Uh, Chris writes: Is there? or there is no way, rather, to improve Moonraker. It has everything and then everything else. It's amazing just how many set pieces it has. Not just one superboat, but two. <laughs> it's very true. There are more than one superboat in this movie. Yeah, you really think that they would just be like, <laughs> would be like, do you think two superboats is overkill? And somewhere and somewhere went, nah. yeah, <laughs> we could have three, really. Hey, it doesn't have a car chase. Might as well have another I boat mean, chase. I get, you can kind of argue that there is three because the space shuttle is kind of a superboat. In a way. It is a boat, yeah. and there is a space shuttle chase, yeah. kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Andrew writes, lengthily, uh, like a lot of other Bond movies, it de- uh, deviated pretty heavily from the source material in favor of latching onto the then-new excitement over the space shuttle and a renewed interest in the American space program. I'm not sure Moonraker is fixable without tearing it down to studs. And Liam seems to think you just need to tighten those studs up. Yeah, yeah. just tighten the screws, man. Just I have an interesting piece of Bond trivia, if mm. you want to know. Uh, because Moonraker uh, came out after the space shuttle launch from NASA, but was being made before the space shuttle launch, uh, the producers, I want to say, got special permission to visit NASA and actually see the space shuttle to inspire their set design so that they would get it right. Mm. Oh, yeah. Before before it was revealed to the world, yeah. they showed it to the Bond movie yeah. people cool. because they were making Bond in well, space. At least they got something right. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's one thing so I you like put a, effort into that. It's one you thing I really in, enjoy script. about movies in general is just like the amount of time is that is taken um, to get details right that probably don't matter that most people wouldn't notice, but they do it anyway. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. uh, especially when it's at the expense of clearly the writing. Of the movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They spent a lot of time getting those right, not a lot of... Clearly, they blew the budget on space. And not on the and writing not room. on script. Uh, Caleb writes, honestly, can anyone improve upon perfection? <laughs> I don't know if he's being sarcastic or if Caleb just really loves Moonraker. <laughs> I find off every Bond movie has its fans. Yeah, like when that's I, true. When I did View to a Kill on a, on a different movie podcast, I had people being like, 
don't you dare make fun of you to a kill. That's that cinematic gold. It's absolute. How dare you? And it's for the I, record of you to a kill will probably be on this podcast yeah. at some point. Yeah. I would argue it is cinematic gold, yeah. but for different reasons. And Deja writes one word: Poonraker. <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> And I think I think that's the final word on the listener comments. <laughs> yeah. right how there. many how many women does Bond have sex with in this movie? At least three. Technically none. It's PG. He just cuddles, and then the next scene they're naked. He seductively unwraps <laughs> one woman. Yeah. That's but that's it's PG. Thing, right? That's the other like a little blood wouldn't you know maybe sprays this up a little. Woman gets eaten by dogs. How is it PG? Yeah. It is. I don't know. I watched she, it on, on. I think she gets eaten by dogs off screen though. Yeah. The streaming service I watched it on was like PG, right, right there on the thing. So. Fair enough. Oh. Parents guide your children away from this movie. <laughs> Just do the humane thing. <laughs> uh, so I think that's Moonraker. I think that we can call that one done. Before we go, uh, we'd like to encourage you to check out some of the other talented voices on the Alberta Podcast Network. Uh, some of whom you've actually heard on this show in the past. Many of them have been guests here because we're a very incestuous podcast community <laughs> yeah, yeah. in Edmonton. Uh, in particular, we're going to suggest this week Andrea Bessa and Lauren Derry of That's So Maven. Uh, That's So Maven is podcast for, by, and about female entrepreneurs and leaders. Uh, and it's a great show, and it's worth checking out and supporting. Uh, you can find new episodes every Tuesday morning. So uh, definitely be sure to give that one a listen. Does anybody have anything they want to plug? Liam does. Oh, yeah. I uh, Check out uh, the debutantes.ca. I'm part of a local sketch comedy troupe. We have a bunch of our videos up on uh, the debutantes.ca. And if you're in the Edmonton area, every other Wednesday is Odd Wednesday at the Mill Creek Cafe slash the Sewing Machine Factory uh, at uh, White Ave and, like, by the Humpties. You, you know where it is. Uh, Google it. Um, I should know the address, but I'm there every other Wednesday, so I've quit learning the address. Anyway, it's a local sketch comedy showcase, so we do our sketches, and we let other local comedians and improvisers and performers and theater types try their hand at sketch. Uh, the next one will be September 13th, and then every other Wednesday after that, that's why we call it Odd Wednesday. As for us, I Have Some Notes is on Twitter, it's on Facebook, it's on Instagram, we're at I Have Some Notes. Talk to us, give us some feedback, tell us how you would fix Moonraker. Yep keep track of uh our episodes are also stuff. being replayed on uh on g radio mm. um, you can find that at gradio.ca right on and um definitely uh keep watch we'll keep you updated on some movie news on our facebook page and also what movie we're going to do next yep. which is a uh, mystery and that's not me trying to string you along we just literally <laughs> have not chosen the next movie yet. and uh, and just before we go uh, i know a lot of people who are listening to the podcast know that uh me and my wife Erin went through a difficult time during the uh, the summer and we just wanted to take a second just to say thank you for all the love and support and uh and we will continue watching the skies for rory